0: Chapter two OF THE MAN OF THE DESERT by Grace Livingston Hill This LibriVox recording is in the public domain Read by Like Many Waters Chapter two THE MAN About noon of the same day the missionary halted his horse on the edge of a great flat-topped mesa and looked away to the clear blue mountains in the distance. John Brownlee had been in Arizona for nearly three years, yet the wonder of the desert had not ceased to charm him and now as he stopped his horse to rest his eyes sought the vast distances stretched in every direction and reveled in the splendor of the scene those mountains at which he was gazing were more than a hundred miles from him and yet they stood out clear and distinct in the wonderful air and seemed but a short journey away below him were ledges of rock in marvelous colors yellow and gray, crimson and green, piled one upon another with the strange light of the noonday sun playing over them and turning their colors into a blaze of glory. Beyond was a stretch of sand broken here and there by sagebrush, greasewood or cactus rearing its prickly spines grotesquely. Off to the left were pink-tinted cliffs and a little farther dark cone-like buttes, on the other hand low brown and white hills stretched away to the wonderful petrified forest where great tracts of fallen tree trunks and chips lay locked in glistening stone to the south he could see the familiar water-hole and farther the entrance to the canyon fringed with cedars and pines the grandeur of the scene impressed him anew beautiful beautiful he murmured and a grand god to have it so then a shadow of sadness passed over his face and he spoke again aloud as had come to be his habit in this vast loneliness i guess it is worth it he said worth all the lonely days and discouraging months and disappointments just to be alone with a wonderful father like mine he had just come from a three days trip in company with another missionary whose station was a two days journey by horseback from his own and whose cheery little home was presided over by a sweet-faced woman come recently from the east to share his fortunes the delicious dinner prepared for her husband and his guests the air of comfort in the three-roomed shack the dainty touches that showed a woman's hand had filled brownlee with a noble envy not until this visit had he realized how very much alone his life was he was busy of course from morning till night and his enthusiasm for his work was even greater than when nearly three years before he had been sent out by the board to minister to the needs of the indians friends he had by the score wherever a white man or trader lived in the region he was always welcome and the indians knew and loved his coming he had come around this way now to visit an indian hogan where the shadow of death was hovering over a little indian maiden beloved of her father it had been a long way around and the missionary was weary with many days in the saddle but he was glad he had come the little maid had smiled to see him and felt that the dark valley of death seemed more to her now like one of her own flower-lit canyons that led out to a brighter wider day since she had heard the message of life he brought her but as he looked afar over the long way he had come and thought of the bright little home where he had dined the day before the sadness still lingered in his face it would be good to have somebody like that he said aloud again somebody to expect me and be glad but then thoughtfully i suppose there are not many girls who are willing to give up their homes and go out to rough it as she has done it is a hard life for a woman for that kind of a woman a pause then and I wouldn't want any other kind. His eyes grew large with wistfulness. It was not often thus that the cheery missionary stopped to think upon his own lot in life. His heart was in his work, and he could turn his hand to anything. There was always plenty to be done. Yet today, for some inexplicable reason, for the first time since he had really got into the work and outgrown his homesickness, he was hungry for companionship he had seen a light in the eyes of his fellow missionary that spoke eloquently of the comfort and joy he himself had missed and it struck deep into his heart he had stopped here on this mesa with the vast panorama of the desert spread before him to have it out with himself the horse breathed restfully dropping his head and closing his eyes to make the most of the brief respite and the man sat thinking trying to fill his soul with the beauty of the scene and crowd out the longings that pressed upon him suddenly he raised his head with a quiet upward motion and said reverently oh my christ you knew what this loneliness was you were lonely too it is the way you went and i will walk with you that will be good he sat for a moment with uplifted face towards the vast sky his fine strong features touched with a tender light their sadness changing into peace. Then, with the old cheery brightness coming into his face again, he returned to the earth and its duties. Billy, it's time we were getting on, he remarked to his horse Chumley. Do you see that sun in the heavens? It'll get there before we do if we don't look out, and we're due at the fort tonight if we can possibly make it. We've had too much vacation, that's about the size of it, and we're spoiled. We're lazy, Billy we have to get down to work now how about it can we get to that water hole in half an hour let's try for it old fellow and then we'll have a good drink and a bite to eat and maybe ten minutes for a nap before we take the short trail home there's some of the corn-chop left for you billy so hustle up old boy and get there billy with an answering snort responded to his master's words and carefully picked his way over boulders and rocks down to the valley below but within a half-mile of the water-hole the young man suddenly halted his horse and sprang from the saddle stooping in the sand beside a tall yucca to pick up something that gleamed like fire in the sunlight in all that brilliant glowing landscape a bit of brightness had caught his eye and instantly flung itself upon his notice as worthy of investigation there was something about the sharp light it flung that spoke of another world than the desert john brownlee could not pass it by it might be only a bit of broken glass from an empty flask flung carelessly aside but it did not look like that he must see wondering he stooped and picked it up a bit of bright gold on the handle of a handsome riding-whip it was not such a whip as people in this region carried it was dainty costly elegant a lady's riding-whip it spoke of a world of wealth and attention to expensive details as far removed from this scene as possible Brownlee stood in wonder and turned the pretty trinket over in his hand. Now how did that whip come to be lying in a bunch of sagebrush on the desert? Jeweled too and that must have given the final keen point of light to the flame which made him stop short in the sand to pick it up. It was a clear stone of transparent yellow-a topaz likely he thought but wonderfully alive with light-set in the end of the handle and looking closely he saw a handsome monogram engraved on the side, and made out the letters H. R. But that told him nothing. With knit brows he pondered, one foot in the stirrup, the other still upon the desert, looking at the elegant toy. Now who, who would be so foolish as to bring a thing like that into the desert? There were no lady riders anywhere that he knew save the major's sister at the military station, and she was most plain in all her appointments. This frivolous implement of horsemanship never belonged to the major's sister tourists seldom came this way what did it mean he sprang into the saddle and shading his eyes with his hand scanned the plain but only the warm shimmer of sun-heated earth appeared nothing living could be seen what ought he to do about it was there any way he might find out the owner and restore the lost property pondering thus his eyes divided between the distance and the glittering whip-handle they came to the water hole and Brownlee dismounted his thoughts still upon the little whip it's very strange billy i can't make out a theory that suits me he mused aloud if any one has been riding out this way and lost it will they perhaps return and look for it yet if i leave it where i found it the sand might drift over it at any time and surely in this sparsely settled country i shall be able to at least hear of any strangers who might have carried such a foolish little thing then too if i leave it where i found it someone might steal it well i guess we'll take it with us billy we'll hear of the owner somewhere sometime no doubt the horse answered with a snort of satisfaction as he lifted his moist muzzle from the edge of the water and looked contentedly about the missionary unstrapped his saddle and flung it on the ground unfastening the bag of corn-chop and spreading it conveniently before his dumb companion then he set about gathering a few sticks from near at hand and started a little blaze in a few minutes the water was bubbling cheerfully in his little folding tin cup for a cup of tea and a bit of bacon was frying in a diminutive skillet beside it corn bread and tea and sugar came from the capacious pockets of the saddle billy and his missionary made a good meal beneath the wide bright quiet of the sky when the corn-chop was finished billy let his long lashes droop lower and lower and his nose go down and down until it almost touched the ground dreaming of more corn-chop and happy in having his wants supplied but his master stretched at full length upon the ground with hat drawn over his eyes could not lose himself in sleep for a second his thoughts were upon the jeweled whip and by and by he reached his hand out for it and shoving back his hat lay watching the glinting of lights within the precious heart of the topaz as the sun caught and tangled its beams in the sharp facets of the cutting he puzzled his mind to know how the whip came to be in the desert and what was meant by it one reads life by details in that wide and lonely land this whip might mean something but what at last he dropped his hand and sitting up with his upward glance he said aloud father if there's any reason why i ought to look for the owner guide me he spoke as if the one he addressed were always present in his consciousness and they were on terms of the closest intimacy he sprang up then and began putting the things together as if the burden of responsibility were upon one fully able to bear it they were soon on their way again billy swinging along with a full realization of the nearness of home the way now led towards hazy blue lines of mesas with crags and ridges here and there across the valley looking like a cloud shadow miles distant lay a long black streak the line of the gorge of the canyon its dim presence seemed to grow on the missionary's thought as he drew nearer he had not been to that canyon for more than a month there were a few scattered indians living with their families here and there in corners where there was a little soil the thought of them drew him now he must make out to go to them soon if it were not that billy had been so far he would go up there this afternoon but the horse needed rest if the man did not and there was of course no real hurry about the matter he would go perhaps in the morning meantime it would be good to get to his own fireside once more and attend to a few letters that should be written he was invited to the fort that night for dinner there was to be some kind of a frolic some visitors from the east he had said he would come if he reached home in time he probably would but the idea was not attractive just now he would rather rest and read and go to sleep early but then of course he would go such opportunities were none too frequent in this lonely land though in his present mood the gay doings at the fort did not appeal to him strongly besides it meant a ride of ten miles further however of course he would go he fell to musing over the whip again and in due time he arrived at his own home a little one-roomed shanty with a chimney at the back and four big windows at the extreme end of the fenced enclosure about the structure was a little shed for billy and all about was the vast plain dotted with bushes and weeds with its panorama of mountain and hill valley and gorge it was beautiful but it was desolate there were neighbors a few but they lived at magnificent distances we ought to have a dog billy why don't we get a dog to welcome us home said brownlee slapping the horse's neck affectionately as he sprang from the saddle but then a dog would go along with us wouldn't he so there'd be three of us to come home instead of two and that wouldn't do any good chickens how would that do but the coyotes would steal them i guess we'll have to get along with each other old fellow the horse relieved of his saddle gave a shake of comfort as a man might stretch himself after a weary journey and trotted into his shed brownlee made him comfortable and turned to go to the house as he walked along by the fence he caught sight of a small dark object hanging on sagebrush a short distance from the front of his house it seemed to move slightly and he stopped and watched it a second thinking it might be some animal caught in the bush or in hiding it seemed to stir again as objects watched intently often will and springing over the rail fence brownlee went to investigate nothing in that country was left to uncertainty men liked to know what was about them as he neared the bush however the object took on a tangible form and color and coming closer he picked it up and turned it over clumsily in his hand a little velvet riding cap undoubtedly a lady's with the name of a famous new york costumer wrought in silk letters in the lining yes there was no question about its being a lady's cap for a long gleaming golden hair with an undoubted tendency to curl still clung to the velvet a sudden embarrassment filled him as though he had been handling too intimately another's property unawares he raised his eyes and shaded them with his hand to look across the landscape if perchance the owner might be at hand though even as he did so he felt a conviction that the little velvet cap belonged to the owner of the whip which he still held in his other hand h r where was h r and who could she be for some minutes he stood thinking it out locating the exact spot in his memory where he had found the whip it had not been on any regular trail that was strange he stooped to see if there were any further evidences of passers-by but the slight breeze had softly covered all definite marks. He was satisfied however after examining the ground about for some distance either way that there could have been but one horse. He was wise in the lore of the trail by certain little things that he saw or did not see he came to this conclusion. Just as he was turning to go back to his cabin he came to a halt again with an exclamation of wonder for there close at his feet half hidden under a bit of sage, lay a small shell comb he stooped and picked it up in triumph i declare i have quite a collection he said aloud are there any more by these tokens i may be able to find her after all and he started with a definite purpose and searched the ground for several rods ahead then going back and taking a slightly different direction he searched again and yet again looking back each time to get his bearings from the direction where he had found the whip arguing that the horse must likely have taken a pretty straight line and gone at a rapid pace he was rewarded at last by finding two shell hairpins and near them a single hoof-print that sheltered by a heavy growth of sage had escaped the obliteration of the wind this he knelt and studied carefully taking in all the details of size and shape and direction then finding no more hairpins or combs he carefully put his booty into his pocket and hurried back to the cabin his brows knit in deep thought father is this thy leading he paused at the door and looked up he opened the door and stepped within the restfulness of the place called him to stay there was the wide fireplace with a fire laid all ready for the touch of a match that would bring the pleasant blaze to dispel the loneliness of the place there was the easy-chair his one luxury with its leather cushions and reclining back his slippers on the floor close by the little table with its well-trimmed student lamp his college paper and the one magazine that kept him in touch with the world freshly arrived before he left for his recent trip and still unopened how they called to him yet when he laid the whip upon the magazine the slanting ray of the sun that entered by the door caught the glory of the topaz and scented scintillating and somehow the magazine lost its power to hold him one by one he laid his trophies down beside the whip the velvet cap the hairpins and the little comb and then stood back startled with the wonder of it and looked about his bachelor quarters it was a pleasant spot far lovelier than its weather-stained exterior would lead one to suppose a navajo blanket hung upon one wall above the bed and another enwrapped and completely covered the bed itself making a spot of color in the room and giving an air of luxury two quaint rugs of indian workmanship upon the floor one in front of the bed the other before the fireplace where one's feet would rest when sitting in the big chair did much to hide the discrepancies of the ugly floor a rough set of shelves at the side of the fireplace handy to reach from the easy chair were filled with treasures of great minds the books he loved well all he could afford to bring with him a few commentaries not many an encyclopedia a little biography a few classics botany biology astronomy and a much-worn bible on the wall above was a large card catalogue of indian words and around the room were some of his own pencil drawings of plants and animals over in the opposite end of the room from the bed was a table covered with white oilcloth and on the wall behind the cupboard which held his dishes and his stock of provisions it was a pleasant spot and well ordered for he never liked to leave his quarters in disarray lest some one might enter during his absence or come back with him besides it was pleasanter so to return to it a rough closet of goodly proportions held his clothes his trunk and any other stores he stood and looked about it now and then let his eyes travel back to those small feminine articles on the little table beside him it gave him a strange sensation what if they belonged there what if the owner of them lived there was coming in in a minute now to meet him how would it seem what would she be like for just an instant he let himself dream and reaching out touched the velvet of the cap then took it in his hand and smoothed its silken surface a faint perfume of another world seemed to steal from its texture and to linger on his hands he drew a breath in wonder and laid it down then with a start he came to himself suppose she did belong and were out somewhere and he did not know where suppose something had happened to her the horse run away thrown her somewhere perhaps or she might have strayed away from a camp and lost her way or been frightened these might be all foolish fantasies of a weary brain but the man knew he could not rest until he had at least made an attempt to find out he sank down in the big chair for a moment to think it out and closed his eyes making swift plans billy must have a chance to rest a little a fagged horse could not accomplish much if the journey were far and the need for haste he could not go for an hour yet and there would be preparations to make he must repack the saddlebags with feed for Billy, food for himself and a possible stranger, restoratives, and a simple remedy or two in case of accident. These were articles he always took with him on long journeys. He considered taking his camping tent, but that would mean the wagon, and they could not go so rapidly with that. He must not load Billy heavily after the miles he had already come, but he could take a bit of canvas strapped to the saddle and a small blanket of course it might be but a wild goose chase after all yet he could not let his impression go unheeded then there was the fort in case he found the lady and restored her property in time he might be able to reach the fort by evening he must take that into consideration also with alacrity he arose and went about his preparations soon having his small baggage in array his own toilet came next a bath and fresh clothing then clean shaven and ready, all but his coat, he flung himself upon his bed for ten minutes of absolute relaxation after which he felt himself quite fit for the expedition. Springing up he put on coat and hat, gathered up with reverent touch the bits of things he had found, locked his cabin and went out to Billy, a lump of sugar in his hand. "Billy old fellow we're under orders to march again," he said apologetically and Billy answered with a neigh of pleasure submitting to the saddle as though he were quite ready for anything required of him now father said the missionary with his upward look show us the way so taking the direction from the hoof-print in the sand billy and his master sped away once more into the westering light of the desert towards the long black shadowed entrance of the canyon End of chapter two.